Praise the Lord, everybody. I, I'm going to do my best to get through this little message here quickly this morning. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn with me, please, to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians. And we're going to read this in the second chapter. We're going to read basically the first ten verses. And I'm using as a subject today, the cross and good works. The cross and good works. And I use this subject because of the tremendous confusion relative to how these two issues work together. Let me at the beginning, before we even read a scripture, let me tell you that the two really cannot be separated. Let me say it another way, perhaps for more clarity. The cross is the foundation from which all good works will flow. It's no such thing as a, as a believer believing in the cross, sitting around doing nothing. <laughs> that creature doesn't exist. And we're going to show you, we're going to prove beyond a doubt from the Word today, that if your faith is in the proper object, and you've rejected the fads, you've rejected other objects of faith, and you're believing in Christ and Him crucified, you're going to have good works flowing out of your life. So you might as well stop picking at those who are feeding the poor. You might as well stop bad-mouthing those who are doing good things in His name. See, because you automatically assume when you see someone doing something that they're doing it to earn righteousness. Very few people are that I know. I have never one time thought, neither most of the people that I talk to have never one time thought that anything we do is going to get us closer to God. You see, my friends, it's the love of God that motivates us to do what we do. And it's not only the love of God, but it's the love of God for people that motivates us to do what we do. So, do you preach the cross? Oh yeah. And we're going to look at it from the Scripture. Ephesians chapter 2, I'm reading from the ESV, the Bible says this, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God. Now there's that... There's that little phrase, I love that, but God. Oh yes, I was once lost, but God. I once didn't know anything about the cross, but God. I once didn't care about other people. I, I didn't have love for others, but God. Amen? 
But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Now there it plainly says it. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, right there it plainly indicates that the believer has a position. I mean, that's plain. You and I, you know, we're standing here looking at one another. But the Scripture says we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So what is that? That is the believer's position. That comes about by faith. Totally, completely, strictly by faith in what Jesus did at the cross. Let me take a brief moment by way of refresher to say a few things about faith before we continue reading. Faith is not a force that you and I as Christians can manipulate and use. Okay, that's, not, that's what's commonly taught about faith, but that's not Bible faith. Faith is not a force that you and I as believers can manipulate and use uh, to, to accomplish things that we want to see done. Faith has to have a proper object. And you've heard this before. This is by way of refresher. Faith's proper object is the finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. That's what we hope in. That's what we trust. That's what we believe in. The finished work of Jesus upon the cross. So I don't have a litany of formulas that I use in my daily Christian life to live for God. I simply believe in what Jesus did. And He gives me the Holy Spirit power that I need to live as a Christian. Hallelujah. Now that doesn't do away with the believer's need to make proper choices. That doesn't do away with with your need and my need to obey the plain Scriptures that we see in the Holy Word of God. See, the message of the cross doesn't do away with obedience. Actually, it will enhance and make more perfect obedience possible to the child of God because the object of faith is now correct. Okay? But when, when you're sitting there reading from the Scripture... And the scripture says, praise ye the Lord. You cannot say, well, I don't need to praise, I just believe in the cross. No, the scripture said praise. The cross is to help you praise. You follow me? When the scripture says, give and it shall be given unto you, you cannot say, I do not need to give, I just believe in the cross. No, the cross is to help you give. We have to get this understanding in our lives, we're going to see it even more clearly from the Word here in a moment, because we've got all these these cross people running around, blasting everybody who's doing anything. They do not understand that the Scripture says that the cross is to help you do. But the doing will never bring you the result of the cross. Let's say that again. The cross, and when I say the cross, I'm talking about your faith in what Jesus did. 
your faith in the sacrifice of Jesus. And that doesn't mean that you and I, as Christians, will not be called upon to make sacrifices, because we will. Especially, the closer you get to God, the more that the Lord is going to require of you. And sometimes it's going to put you in an uncomfortable place. Sometimes it's going to put you in a position where God is going to call you to give up something that you want to do in order to bless or help someone else. But Jesus' sacrifice is the thing that makes it all possible for time and eternity for God to have a people who will do the things that God calls them to do. The cross is, is an empowerment. And it's the only one. See, we, we, we can't get there by positive confession alone. We can't get there by rituals and formulas. We can't get to the place that God wants us to be in Jesus by man-made items. So the person who is thinking today, well, yeah, you know, I can do all these good things and that will get me where God wants me to be, that person is wrong. Because it won't do it. But see, we don't want to stop there. And that's what too many have done. And they have the erroneous idea now that they don't need to do anything. See? Just because the works will not enhance my position with God doesn't mean I shouldn't do the works. Let's go on in the scripture, and I think it will get clearer to you. But God being rich in mercy, verse 4, Ephesians 2, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's by grace through faith. By grace through faith you have been saved. And this is not your own doing. Now there it is. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of of God, not a result of works, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are His workmanship. Now, now, now follow this. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Walk in what? Good works. Now, now, Brother Len, if this is by grace through faith, and not of ourselves, it's not of our own doing, it's not of good works, then what is, what is the problem with just saying we don't have to do anything? The problem is, you and I, by sinful nature, are born lazy. <laughs> I know that sounds harsh, but think about it. We're, we're born so oftentimes, because of our sin nature, we need to be prodded a little bit. 
Just in the same fashion that no one likes to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning every day and get ready and go to work, but they have to do it. They what? They make themselves do it if they're gainfully employed and if they're responsible individuals. They make themselves get up, get washed, get dressed, get on the road, and get to work. They don't want to do it necessarily. And in that same idea, in that same mindset, there's times as a Christian when I have to make myself read the Word, make myself pray, make myself go to church, make myself pay my tithe, make myself give offerings, make myself put a smile on my face, hallelujah, because we are human. And to make yourself do those things out of obedience to God is not law. And it is not works. You need to stop listening to people who are condemning these things. You need to turn them off. Because it's bringing mass confusion into local churches everywhere. I see it on a daily basis. It's bringing mass confusion to God's people, especially those who are, who are having a problem with reading the Word, let's say. I've talked to several of those. I always teach them to put their faith in what Jesus did at the cross. And I also tell them, just open the book and start reading, even if you can only get through a couple of paragraphs. You know, force yourself to do it, because God wants you to read His Word. And I also know that the more those individuals look to what Jesus did at Calvary, the more they're going to have a hunger for the Word of God. The more they're going to want to read it. Because faith in the cross puts the divine want to inside of the believer. Hallelujah. But the people who are saying, and I've heard this argument many times, and it's fundamentally flawed. People who say, well, you know, we do these things because we want to, that's a fundamentally flawed argument because at any given time of day or night, there's going to come a point where maybe you don't want to. So what are you going to do then? Just go ahead and choose to disobey the Lord as a matter of your choice? See? So it doesn't hold water. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to do what God wants done. At the same time, God is not a big bully who's standing there with a club, and if you miss your Bible reading today, well, He's just going to hammer on you. No, that's not God. God is a God of love, and God operates through grace and faith and mercy and compassion. It's a little bit different when God looks at those, though, who say, well, I don't have to do what God has said do. Well, God takes a little bit different viewpoint with that. Okay? Let's, get, let's, let's look at this one more time. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship. What does that say? We are the workmanship of God, created in Christ Jesus. In other words, the very moment that you and I place our faith in what Jesus did at the cross, God starts working on us. He is making something of us. 
He is working on us. He is fashioning us into something. And what are the tools that God uses in this process? The Word. Death to self. Prayer. Helping. Preaching and teaching. uh, Giving. Good works. God uses these Christian disciplines as His tools in our sanctification process. It's not that we pick up the tool. Listen, we don't pick up the tool and start working on ourselves. God picks up the tool. God's the one who tells you, I want you to give up that hour in the park today, and I want you to go over and take a bag of groceries to Mrs. Jones, who's sick and, 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 and shut up in her house and lonely and old. And you could be doing this other thing over here, but I want you to give that up and go over and help Mrs. Jones out. Take her that bag of groceries and love on her a while. Share Jesus with her today. Now what is that? That is God using it as a tool in your sanctification process. And I guarantee you that if you don't do it, if you don't do it, your sanctification process is going to be hindered. Okay? Now let's look at this again. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship. God's working on us. We've been created in Christ Jesus by the new birth. We are created in Christ Jesus. We are in Christ. In Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. For good works. For, now that's plain. What what you going to do with that verse of Scripture? And I know that, that one of the explanations is, well, that means we were created to put our faith in what Jesus did at the cross. That's not what he's saying here. We've already put our faith in the cross, and we need to continue to do so even on a daily basis, but the Scripture's clear. We are, he is working on us, so that good works will come out of us. Now that's what the Bible teaches. Okay? He is, God is working on us so that His good works will come out of us, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Walk in what? Walk in good works. The works that God literally makes a part of our new nature because of our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. Now that is as plain as the nose on your face. God is going to have a people in the earth that He can count on to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's the true remnant. A lot of people today are screaming about remnant, screaming about how they're the only ones that, you know, the remnant 
to some are the only ones that use a certain Bible or, or belong to a certain organization or, or talk with certain terminology. Let me tell you something. The remnant of Jesus Christ in the earth is the remnant who will follow the leading and obey the Holy Spirit. That's the remnant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And God has a people in the earth that He's going to be able to say, these are My people. They will feed the hungry. They will love the poor. They will preach Jesus to anybody, anywhere, at any time. They will get in the gutter if necessary. They will get in the jail if necessary. These are My people. And I have created them, God says, for good works. That is as plain as the nose on your face. It's the plainest terminology that heaven could give us so that we might understand. You see, there's a lot of of the Scriptures that are veiled sometimes to our understanding, but this isn't one of those passages. This is as plain as the nose on your face so that you can understand it. Because God wants you to begin to operate in this process. Let's briefly, as we get ready to close here, this is just a little short message today, but let's briefly go over this. Sanctification, a biblical sanctification process once again. And I'm not going to touch on everything, okay? I'm, I'm just driving home this point today because of all of the bickering and the fault finding and the unchristlike behavior and attitudes that are coming from some who purport to have the message and maybe they do I don't know but they don't have all of it if they're not doing the good works part and again let's say this you don't do the good works part to earn you anything the good works Flowing from the life of a believer is evidence that the believer truly has the message of the cross. It is evidence that we're truly in the faith if we love the poor and feed the hungry and care for the misfortunate and have love in our hearts and speak the truth and not trample all over people. These are all good works and all evidences of proper faith. And the people that don't have these evidence are the ones that's using faith as an excuse to live any way they want to live and do anything they want to do. I'm just going to be honest. You might hate me, but I'm going to be honest. They like treating people poorly, and they use the fact that, that well, you're not preaching the cross, so we can talk to you any way we want to. No, you can't. You better get saved. Well, you you said that you read a book by so-and-so, and they don't agree with so-and-so, and so you're no good. You need to get saved, chump. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, I just know that that's correct. Trust me, I was sucked up into that mentality for a short period of time. That exclusive mentality. Let me tell you something. Not only are there more people preaching the cross than you dare realize, 
There are more people living the cross than you dare realize. And right now as I speak to you, the Holy Spirit is calling believers out of every church, every denomination, every organization, every part of life, from the rich to the poor, from the black to the white, hallelujah, from the pretty to the ugly. The Holy Spirit is calling people to embrace the true message which is this cross life will produce the obedient people that will make up my remnant in the last days. Let's briefly look at this just a moment. I want to say it clearly so that there's no misunderstanding. When a person comes to Christ, he has to come empty-handed, so to speak. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. You get saved because of what Jesus did at the cross of Calvary. And you put your faith in it. In Him, specifically. In Him, in what He did at the cross. And you get saved. Hallelujah. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit. You are now in Christ. You now have a position that we talked about a while ago. You are seated with Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. Glory be to God. Now to live for God every day of your life on a daily basis, you can tell from reading the Word, and you can tell from from just being around Christians, you know that there's certain things in your life that you need to do. To make your relationship complete, you need to read the Word of God and pray. You know, what kind of relationship would I have with my wife if I walked into the room and sat down on the couch and never spoke to her? Never listened to a thing she said to me. And when I finally did speak a thing, I would say to her, well, honey, I'm just sitting here believing in you. I'm just sitting here believing in you. No. That belief, because I believed in her, I married her. And now that I have married her, we have to work at this relationship. Relationships are work, folks. And work is not a dirty word. Glory be to God. You need the help of the Holy Spirit to do the work that you need to do in your Christian life. Sanctification of the believer or you living for God on an everyday basis is also by faith in what Jesus did at the cross. And when you place your faith in Him, He gives you of His grace an uninterrupted flow. And that grace of God teaches us, the Scripture says over in Titus. It teaches us. Let's turn over there to Titus. And I'll read this verse real quickly. Um, This is a new Bible, so let me find it real quick here. But in Titus, hallelujah, chapter 2, verse 11, let's read. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Doesn't mean that all people are saved, they have to accept it. It doesn't mean that all Christians will be sanctified just means you have to accept the process. 
bringing salvation for all people, training us. So the grace of God trains us, teaches us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Now don't read anything into those words that aren't there. Don't say that that just means you putting your faith in the finished work because it doesn't. This is talking about you've put your faith in the finished work, now the grace has come, and grace is going to teach you these things. And when grace teaches you these things, you must do these things. He doesn't teach it for you to just have it in your head. He teaches you things so that you can go perform what the Holy Spirit instructs you to in your life. So the sanctification process is by faith and grace. But it's not just as cut and dried as all that. As we said earlier, we are God's workmanship. The Christian disciplines, Bible study, prayer, uh, going to church, paying tithe, giving offerings, loving the Lord, serving others, serving others, serving others. I'm bearing down on that, you're right. Serving others. These are tools that the Holy Spirit uses in His hand in your sanctification process. And you and I, by our attitude, by our receptiveness, we can, in, we can either flow with the Holy Spirit or we can set our process back based on our attitude and our receptiveness to what the Holy Spirit's trying to do in our lives. So here we are. We've gotten saved by faith through grace, <clears throat> by grace through faith. We're being sanctified by faith through grace, and that grace is teaching us. That grace is working on us. That grace is the power of the Holy Spirit coming into my life and telling me, don't do this anymore. Do this over here instead. Go see Mrs. Jones. Uh, It's time to pray now. I want to talk to you. See, the Holy Spirit constantly bringing His instruction to me as a believer. Now, if I'm obedient to the Holy Spirit, I have the cross and good works in their proper perspective. And that's the that if there is a problem with this, and I think with some people there probably is. I I, I don't know too many people. I don't know anyone really who believes that their good works is going to get them to heaven. And I don't believe I don't know too many people who believe that their good works is making them some super holy superman. But maybe I don't know the right people. I mean, maybe God has really blessed my life with a bunch of folks around me that truly desire discipleship and to follow after Jesus Christ. And I pray that that's the case. And I think it's getting more people like that every day that goes by. But listen, I'm sure there are some who have the cross and good works in the wrong order. And the wrong order, as with anything, the wrong order won't work. Just as with anything, the wrong order in anything will not work. But there is a proper order. And just because you see some people... 
You know, it, it would be the same, what, the way these people are acting today about this, the good works issue, it would be the same thing as if you saw one Christian smoking a cigarette, for you to just automatically presume now that every Christian's hiding smoking. Well, that's, that's idiotic. That's ridiculous. Just because, just because one person here and there is believing that their works is going to do this or that or the other, that doesn't mean that everybody you see feeding the poor believes that they're earning righteousness for themselves. It took me a long time to learn to turn a deaf ear to those preachers who are constantly condemning. Have you ever noticed the ones who are always against something but they're never for anything? And they're never for anything that they don't originate. Have you ever noticed those people that, you know, all they will share is their stuff? Huh? Have you ever noticed the people who they're always against everybody and everything, but they're never for anything unless they originate it? The attitude is, if it wasn't cooked in our pot, it can't be good. And the Lord instructed me, as clearly as I'm standing here before you right now, the Lord instructed me, turn them off. Turn them off. Because it's bringing confusion, unnecessary division, and strife to local churches everywhere. And Jesus, listen, the highest law with God is the law of love, and Jesus wants unity in His body. Body. Now, I didn't say... How many of you know there's a difference between the word unity and the word compromise? We don't have to compromise one iota, but we do have to walk in unity with our brethren. And the only time I'm going to fall out with you as a Christian is if you attack the atonement, if you touch the atonement, if you try to take away from the blood of Jesus, or if you try to change the image of Jesus from the Bible Jesus to a Jesus of your own making, then you have another Jesus, another gospel, and another spirit. Well, I'm going to fall out with that because I do not believe in compromise. But I do, definitely do, believe in unity. And I'm not going to fall out with people who are reading from a different version of the Bible, who are feeding the hungry. I feed the hungry every day in one form or another, either through our going or through our giving. Because these are all things that Christians ought to be doing. I'm going to tell you, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again as we close. I won't support a ministry who doesn't have a benevolence outreach. And I want to tell you another thing. I wish, sometimes in my heart I think I would like, to go back to the days when the local church was the center and the hub instead of these big TV guys. Because they have so tried to glamorize the Christian life. You know what I'm saying? And what God really wants is our relationships with each other on a daily basis. A daily basis. Hallelujah. As we interact with one another, as we help one another, as we love one another, it's so much more than just the guy who's standing in the pulpit. 
And being in the ministry is so much more than standing up <clears throat> and teaching people. That's a, that's a heady thing. Man, I'm a teacher. Man, I'm a preacher. People listen to me. There's so much more. People also watch you and do you love your neighbor. And I really think that this is what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to the church in this hour. The true message of the cross will produce good works. Will produce a Christ-likeness in the believer. Will produce a love in the believer. The true message of the cross. Bow your heads please. Heavenly Father, thank You for this few short moments today with this people. Father God, take these words. Oh Lord Jesus. Oh Lord Jesus, break us and remake us into the, the fashioned image of Christ. Father God, take these words and drive them to our hearts today that we might hear and receive that which will change our lives. And Father, we give Jesus all the praise and the glory for what He did at Calvary. And the people would say, Amen and Amen.